Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, this is Brett Amron and welcome to The Practice Podcast. Hello, Brett. I'm Jeff Bast. I am uh, very proud to, and excited to welcome a very special guest we have today. And that is Haley Harrison. Haley's uh, an excellent insolvency, bankruptcy, and commercial litigation attorney in our firm. She started with our firm as a baby lawyer. Actually, she started as a summer associate. I think you were the first summer associate that we ever hired full-time. And she is um, still here, still surviving the wrath of Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. And well, at least Brett thriving as, a, as an attorney. And she's also... Um, She's active locally in the community and, and specifically the Bankruptcy Bar Association for the Southern District of Florida. And we are excited for Haley because she is about to start or is starting maybe this week her presidency as the her term as a president of the Bankruptcy Bar Association. So welcome, Haley. Thank cue, you. cue the crowd. <laughs> Thanks welcome. for having Some me. Sound effects, Mr. Rosado. Can we do that? Yeah, next time. Welcome, Haley. Thank you. Happy to be here. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about you and your background and how you came to the law. So I am a fourth generation Miami native. Stop right there. Full stop. (laughs) That is unheard of. Fourth, you said? Fourth. Wow. I think you're third. I'm second. Second. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Somebody who's been here fourth generation. That's impressive. Who was born here? Your parents? One of your parents? My parents. My mom, yeah, for, sure. for sure. My yeah. grandparents both were on my right. mom's okay, side. Okay, so third. And my great-grandparents, I think at least one set. Mm. I know somewhere in New York and came right. down, but very early on. Okay. I'm calling it third. Right, we're going to call, call it third. third. We're going to call, call it third. third, but we've been <laughs> here for a third. really long Three-ish. time. Right. But that's very <laughs> impressive. And now your daughter is fourth. So my daughter is fourth and my daughter, we just moved recently into the neighborhood that I grew up in. So wow. my daughter's going to go to the same elementary school, middle school, and high school that I went to and my mom went to. Wow. So, wow. Try and live up cool. to yeah. the standards set by <laughs> well, I don't know about grandmother that, but and no. mother. Yes. So sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead and tell us. So um, born and raised, Mm -hmm. went to all local public schools and just kind of grew up in the community, active in, you know, our temple, active in lots of different activities throughout high school. I was on the speech and debate team and was always kind of one of those things that as a kid, you know, everybody would look at me and you're going to be a lawyer one day. Um, (laughs) And I don't know if that was because I just like to argue with people or (laughs) I was very passionate about different things, but it was just kind of something that was always talked about, but I never really actively pursued it or thought about it. When I went to college, I actually majored in public relations, got a minor in business and kind of thought I was going to go that route. I was in Texas, University of Texas. Yes, I went to the University of Texas at Austin. Absolutely. Which was, I guess, kind of an interesting journey from South Florida. But my parents actually both went to UT. That's Mm -hmm. where they met. And I always wanted to go there. That was never a question to me growing up. It's a great school and a great city. It is a great city and a great school. And when all of my friends from home were going to UF and FSU, I was like, I'm out of here. So that was kind of my opportunity to do something a little bit different. But you came back. I came back. And I always I always knew that I would because my family is here. My family's still here. 
and we're a very close, tight-knit family. And so it was kind of never a question that I would ultimately come back to Miami. When I was applying to law schools, I kind of applied all over. For a brief moment, I was going to go to GW. I had actually like almost signed a lease to move to D.C. and go there for law school. Um, but at the time, my younger brother was starting undergrad and had decided he was going to UF. And my mom was like, why don't we just go to Gainesville? Why don't we just go check it out? Because I had wanted nothing to do with it for undergrad, mostly just because I felt like everybody I knew was going there. Like, it's different for law school. Just, you know, go look. So we went for a weekend and I was mostly convinced by the fact that the price tag was about a third <laughs> of what right. I was looking at spending at GW. You know, yeah. those student loans are, are killer. So that and the fact that obviously my brother was going to be there were kind of strong pulls. So I ended up at UF for Great. law school. And then obviously you got pulled back down to Miami post-graduation for because family right and relatives that are already in the practice of law and so you got pulled down here to to complete law school, I think you told us, for your last year, and then you stayed in Miami. Right. So actually, before I completed law school, I, I came down as like a transient student. Right. For my last semester, I wanted to participate in the bankruptcy clinic at UM because at UF, there were kind of limited courses. There was a, a bankruptcy course that was actually really interesting. A lot of practitioners from down here would come up and teach the advanced bankruptcy class at UF. Mm-hmm. But once I took that, it was kind of like, okay, where do I go from here? And I did know I wanted to be a bankruptcy lawyer from a, a pretty young age. My family mm-hmm. has been involved and very active in the bar down here for over 40 years. And really? So, Somebody in your family is one, part of the bankruptcy bar? There's only one. There, there right? are two. <laughs> and Who are they? So, let's give a okay, shout out well, to them. Well, funny that you say that because well, we can get into the, the bankruptcy bar in a little bit. But mm-hmm. this weekend, some people found out for the first time that wow. I'm related to Jerry Markowitz and Trish Redmond. Wow. It's my great aunt and uncle. And so kind of historically, like when I was in college and things like that, I would work for them over the summer and just always had an interest in bankruptcy. I always thought they were working on some of the most interesting cases. And I was drawn to it because depending on what type of debtor you were dealing with, right, what industry the debtor was in, it was like you were learning a whole new area of law. So the bankruptcy law doesn't change, but, you know, you may have to learn about aviation or, you know, mining or, you know, lots of different types of, right, Mm -hmm. perfume industry. Um, So that to me was really interesting that there were so many different aspects that could be involved. And that, especially at the time, was a very like consensual practice, right? There was a lot going on behind the scenes, lots of backroom negotiations and things like that, where a lot of times you would come into court and people would already be in agreement. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that whole process, it was like a puzzle that needed solving. It seemed like everybody wanted to figure out where their piece fit and it just always piqued my interest. So came down my last semester of law school, was in the clinic at UM, ended up working here. So what's um, the clinic at UM for listeners who don't know? What does that mean? Sure. So that it is actually the Eleanor and AJ Crystal Pro Bono Assistance Clinic. And there are law students at UM who are guided by Professor Redmond, Professor Day, some of our local judges, and they get the opportunity to work on cases on a pro bono fashion for 
it's a lot of chapter 13 work typically, but and help seven, chapter right? seven and, and chapter 13 debtors kind of get through their cases and get an opportunity to get in front of a judge and participate in court before you even graduate law school. So I thought that was an, an interesting opportunity. So it's a practical clinic. It's not just one of those where you do the work and hand it off to another lawyer. You actually get the opportunity to go into court and, and practice your skills. Yeah, assuming right. the the case, you know, sure. warrants that. But yes, absolutely. Right. It was. It but was, you meet with the client as a law student. You meet with the client. You're paired up with an attorney and you get to assist the client who is in financial need, right? And guide them through an actual case and, from and beginning to end. Right. And it's generally, you know, at a time, especially a lot of these clients of the clinic who, you know, are really have fallen on tough times and they're so grateful for the assistance from the students. And it just was one of those things that makes you feel good when you get to help people like that. So I thought it was a great opportunity, did that and also figured since I knew I wanted to come back to Miami after I was done with law school, that it was a good opportunity to get to know some firms down here and get involved, hopefully, you know, with a clerkship or something like that. And ended up clerking for you right. guys during uh, my last semester. I think that's a great it's a great point to emphasize though, is that I think a lot of students, law students may not even be aware of that possibility that you can finish, start law school somewhere, finish somewhere else, and still, you still got a, a degree from Florida, right? Yes, I'm still a graduate of the University of Florida College of Law, and my credits just kind of transferred over from the, the clinic, and I took right. one other class while I was here. Well, that, the, sorry. And that's something you knew you wanted to right. do, and you sought it out. No one's going to go to you and say, hey, you want to spend your third year in another place, but if you know you want to do that, or you know you want to end up somewhere else, it's, it's definitely something worth exploring. Right. The the clerkships that I had in Gainesville during my 2L year, well, you know, I learned a lot. I wasn't getting the kind of experience that I knew I wanted, and bankruptcy cases up there were very limited. There were really no firms in Gainesville that had bankruptcy practices. Right. So, yeah, it, it seemed like the right thing to do. And the bankruptcy clinic, that's something that is still going on today, right? And something that, again, if law students want to help people, right, to get involved in helping people and do a good thing, but also get the practical experience and get involved in bankruptcy, that's an option for them, right, to to take advantage of uh, while they're at UM in law school. Absolutely. And one of the, the plus sides to it, which Jeff kind of mentioned, is you are mentored by lawyers in right. the community. So if you're interested in pursuing bankruptcy as a career, it's mm -hmm. a great opportunity to get to know some of the attorneys, to make a great impression with some of those attorneys and, and potentially move forward you know, on that path. Right. And while we're on the topic of pro bono work, the flip side is for the attorneys, obviously, right. you know, we encourage, uh, at least at this firm, and but the Florida Bar encourages lawyers, all lawyers to participate in pro bono cases. We do a lot of it here. I like to do them through the clinic because I get to sort of, I hate to use this term here, but kill two birds with one stone. I can mentor a young law student and help a, a, a client in need, a, a debtor in need through bankruptcy. So we, I work with the law student and we work with the client and the law student does much, most of the work with our guidance and we guide a client through an insolvency and you know they get a great outcome it doesn't cost them any money and the student learns and we get to feel good so yeah. pluses all around and yeah. I, and i know not just the florida bar but also the local bankruptcy bar as well southern district bankruptcy bar association also puts a huge emphasis on pro bono i know the judges do but also the practitioners as well absolutely it's yeah. definitely one of our goals to have actually 100% participation in pro bono from the lawyers of the bar 
And I've had the opportunity since I've been a practicing attorney to also mentor mm-hmm. students from the clinic. And so it's nice to see it all kind of come full circle. Right. So you, as Jeff mentioned at the beginning of the introduction, you are about to take over as president of the Southern District oh, of Florida. Bank of did, Bar Association. No, you did, Thursday, right? July 1. July 1st oh, July is the 1st. official oh, date that right. my presidency begins, although Eric Silver, the outgoing president, right. would like to have you believe that it started yesterday <laughs> at the end of the retreat. <laughs> right, right. Still have a couple more days. So, but yes, as of July 1st, so I will we're be recording the this on the 29th, 20th, 28th, 28th, excuse 28th me. of June. So you have a few more days until you officially, yes. although I'm sure a lot of your duties have already begun. And I learned something today for the first time, which is you are the youngest to become president of the Bankruptcy Bar Association. So congratulations on that. And that tells me and tells our listeners that you got involved at an early age, early in your career, but also early age for you. Question is why and sort of what benefits have you seen for you in your practice and your career? Sure. So as I mentioned, my family members have been active members of the bar. My aunt and uncle actually founded the BBA way back when. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what? Just over 40 years ago. They founded um, they the BBA? They were founding members of the BBA along with Larry Shantz wow. and a couple of others. And so I kind of grew up hearing about the organization. I had been to different events with them just kind of over the years. Mm -hmm. And so always knew that that was something I wanted to be involved in. When I became an attorney and passed the bar, my first thought was, how can I get more involved in this organization? So I became a member of the Young Lawyers Committee of the BBA which unfortunately no longer exists because we have a lack of young lawyers in the BBA and which we we'll can talk, talk about, about that. Yeah. But so I just knew, you know, very early on that I wanted to to be active in the organization. I've always found it to be a great way to be connected in the community and to kind of develop my own relationships, right? So obviously the firm has a number of clients that we've worked with for years that you all have your relationships with, but I have independently been able to create my own relationships with these same people and nurture relationships with them where, you know, I'm at the point and have been for several years where, you know, I might get a phone call directly where they may have called one of you in the past and they're comfortable, you know, okay, Mm -hmm. Haley can handle this. And so it's just been a nice way to establish myself kind of independently. And also I think, you know, for the firm as other members of the firm have taken an active interest in other organizations or maybe spending time in other places. It's been a really nice way to stay connected. Mm -hmm. And for young lawyers that may be listening to this that are thinking about getting involved or maybe, you know, they just don't, young lawyers or experienced lawyers that just aren't yet involved. I mean, how do they get involved? What what can they do to get involved, you know, even at at beginning phases? Right. So, The organization is really focused on kind of bettering the practice of bankruptcy in the Southern District of Florida. So yes, there's, you know, of course, a social component to it. And everybody likes to go to happy hour and go to the dinners and do things like that. But we really are focused on encouraging best practices all around. We are focused on pro bono, as Mm -hmm. you mentioned, and put on a lot of really robust CLE programming for our members. We've got lots of opportunities for mentorship. Through the organization, we do what's called Table of Eights, where we'll have a more seasoned member of the practice or a judge. We'll host a dinner with seven other members of the bar and have an opportunity to really have a more intimate conversation. 
with those people, which I've always found fascinating. I think it's, you know, you don't necessarily get that type of one-on-one time with somebody unless you really seek it out. And a lot of times our practitioners and our judges are very busy. And Mm -hmm. so the fact that they make time to do that, I think has always been something nice. But so I mentioned earlier, we used to have a young lawyers kind of division of the BBA. Over the last eight years, we really haven't seen a ton of young membership. And I think, you know, that's probably a function of the economy as well as a number of other things. But there is an opportunity for young lawyers to become involved, to serve on committees if they don't necessarily want to run for a board position or be that active initially. There are lots of different committees, different ways to participate, and even just showing up at some of the events and, and really, you know, feeling more connected, feeling more ingrained in the community, and then deciding from there to maybe, you know, take a more active role. Right. And we're having this conversation about the Bankruptcy Bar Association of the Southern District of Florida, but this most of this applies to really any bar association. So rule number one is just show up. Right. And I think rule number two would be raise your hand. You know, if you just volunteer for a committee or a board or whatever it is, that's a great, that's the, you know, step two to getting active is to, you know, offer to be active, offer, offer to help and participate. And I think, um, you know, most people find that being active in in a bar association, whether it's American bar or bankruptcy bar or some other association is that it is a great way to start building a network and get to know other members of your practice area that you may not really have an opportunity to meet otherwise. One of the benefits that I've found is, you know, even though it is the quote unquote Southern District Bar Association, we do have a number of members that come down from Orlando and Tampa that even though they're technically middle district attorneys, you know, we all kind of participate in some of the same cases. And so you do have an opportunity to kind of connect with them as well. Right. And we've developed a reputation, you know, as the BBA for the Southern District of Florida, our programming is a little bit more robust than some of the than the middle district or what the northern district might be doing. And so we do get a lot of involvement from those attorneys and, and those practitioners and judges. Well, and we also, Southern District will go up there too um, right, as well. And so it's, it's nice to have that. So what... You know, given this void, and I know we as more senior statesmen, statesmen, <laughs> you know, if you will, in the practice, Jeff more senior than I, you know, we're seeing a little bit of a void as well in terms of the younger lawyers coming up. And by younger, I just mean less years of experience in the practice. And so is the BBA doing anything to try to address that, to bring in, right, generation next, if you right. will? So- we have talked about some of the things that we you know, want to do going forward. I think connecting with the law schools and the law students kind of earlier on mm-hmm. is key. You know, a lot of times our first interaction with a law student may be their 3L year when they've participated in a clinic or had a clerkship somewhere. And at that point, most students know what area they want to practice in. So trying to get connected earlier on and being kind of out in front of them Mm -hmm. at an earlier stage in their law school experience, I think may be really useful. And we've talked about ways to connect, not just, you know, right here in Miami, obviously the BBA has ties to University of Miami and and FIU and St. Thomas, but we're talking about also how can we expand kind of outside of just Miami, because there are plenty of lawyers such as myself who go to other law schools in the state that ultimately end up practicing down in South Florida. So we're working on doing that. And I think it's also 
a function of, like I mentioned, kind of what's been going on in the world, right? When when different areas are hot, that's where law students tend to focus their interests. And so I think we're all kind of expecting post-pandemic that there will be maybe not the tsunami of bankruptcy cases that we had imagined, but there will certainly be an increase in filings and, and the judges are preparing for that. And I think a lot of the local practitioners are as well. And so I think we'll see a stronger interest coming out of mm-hmm. the law schools just based on what's been going on in the world. So I know for me, I mean, I, I didn't, I don't even know if it was offered back then, but I did not take the bankruptcy skills workshop, you know, that's offered the bankruptcy program that's offered, but I took a litigation skills program. And that certainly to me, it was a pro- I think it was my, my 3L year, right? So maybe a little late, but I knew before that, that I wanted to get into it, which is why I took it. So how can we try as a BBA, you're the president now, so I'm going to put this on you. How can we as BBA sort of get in with students early enough to get them to either want to take that course or want to, you know, clerk and try bankruptcy? You know, what, what are some of the things that you guys are talking about? So one of the things that was recently accomplished, uh, there was approval at the district court level to have 2L students participate in the clinic. It oh, used to only be open to 3Ls. So mm-hmm. There's, I think, certainly a benefit to that of of getting people really, not just taking the courses, because I think taking a bankruptcy course, especially if you don't know much about it, I mean, bankruptcy law in and of itself, I don't know is, you know, whether that (laughs) is super exciting to a law student, but I think participating in the clinic and getting to actually see it in practice Mm -hmm. is where kind of the light switches. So I'm hopeful that 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 will play a role, but I, I think there's a lot we can do you know, even just by putting on some programming at the law school and inviting law students to attend some of our events, I think will be a, a useful tool. Is that something that's in the works yes. uh, coming up? Yes, okay. we are talking about implementing that going forward. Excellent. Great. That'd be great. So we, uh, Haley, we've touched a little bit about on uh, age. You're the youngest president. What about gender? Have we seen a lot of... Uh, female presidents of this particular association? So historically, the bankruptcy bar, and I I think generally this is, you know, similar to the practice of law in general. Obviously, there are less women than men that practice, you know, generally speaking. But in the BBA, historically, we have had a, a number of female presidents that have led the organization, but not in the last 10 years. So, it's actually exactly 10 years ago that we had a female president of the association. And so it's been been kind of a long time coming, so especially, I think, with everything that's been going on in the world. So you're the youngest president and the first female president in 10 years. That's very that's impressive. That's correct. And is our... <laughs> there you go. There we go. That there. was our sound effect for does, the day. Um, does the, is the membership uh, fairly skewed towards males as well? Yes. In the association. And that's really a function of the makeup of the bar. It is. And, you know, I think we see, and this is not a bankruptcy specific issue, but something we see across the bar in general. A lot of my female colleagues that I started out practicing with have either left the practice of law or kind of had to reduce their workload and and different things because they've had kids and have a lot, you know, on their plate. And so we've also talked about that. What can we do, not just as an organization, but as a bar in general to, you know, kind of help women further develop their career and continue on and not feel like they get to a point where they have to make a choice. Right. And I think that's something that's 
pervasive throughout the all areas of practice. But Absolutely. it's good that it sounds like at you you know under your direction, the bankruptcy bar is focusing on that as well, which is super important. It's great. We need young people, and we need more women, and we just need more people, more diversity more, in more general. Diversity. Really, you know, this is a topic that we also addressed in our business advantage forum. And Haley moderated a panel on a very similar topic. And you can check that out. That's another episode of our podcast. We'll put it in the show notes. And that'll be another great way to hear Haley talking to some elite professionals about the issues of uh, women in business and law balancing, work-life balance, if you will. I can't remember the exact title of the, uh, the, of the that session. was along the lines, and I and I know Brett hates that word balance, but I don't hate it. I just <laughs> I don't, isn't the right word. I don't, I don't hate it. I just I don't think it is practical, right? Because it's, absolutely, when you give more time to one, you're going to give less time to the other. So to me, that's a function of life. It's harmony, right? Because right. at any one point in time, you've got to give a little bit more time, perhaps to one aspect of your life over the other, you can't just give 50-50 all the time, right? right? Balance, oh, that's balance. Implies, right. Right. balance implies equal distribution. Right, and there are certainly times where one takes priority, yeah. but I, I do think it's it's incumbent on all of us yes. to figure out how you know we can help women succeed in the profession. And, and I think that's you know a, a testament to this firm is the fact that I have spent my entire career here. I have a three and a half year old and, you know, I have she's, had... She's adorable, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> she, she's pretty cute. But <laughs> I I have, you know, not only have I been able to grow professionally here, mm-hmm. but I also do maintain that harmony in a way that I am very appreciative of. And, you know, I don't think... Everybody has that and everybody has that flexibility and that opportunity, which is why some people suffer and and have to make that choice. Well, and I think the practice suffers generally because of it. So, you know, it's hard. It's it's hard on all sides to to make that stuff work, but I think it's necessary, right? I think we think it's necessary to try to make that work. And, you know, hopefully that becomes the norm and not just you know, something, oh, we have to have panels on all this stuff, you know, all the time. So uh, hopefully that's true. Yeah, um, and I think with the the pandemic, you know, I think there has been some good, right, that has come out of it is that people have recognized that flexibility isn't such a bad thing. And, and I think our firm was kind of ahead of the curve on that uh, a little mm-hmm. bit. But I think other people are realizing that working remotely can work in a lot of situations and that, you know, if you don't have childcare or you've got something that comes up that it's still possible to get your job done. And so hopefully that going forward will kind of percolate through and, you know, people will be able to maintain a better harmony, if you will. There you go. Nice. Harmony. It's sticking. (laughs) It's sticking. I like it. So, um, Haley, any last words for, uh, young aspiring lawyers who are looking to become active in their bar association or just any other words to inspire us? Well, I think, as you said, it's important to just kind of show up. People notice when you do. And so whether you want to take an active role or not, just being there and saying hi to people and making conversation, taking an interest in what other people are doing and just connecting, I think is the first step. And and it's a great way to you know, grow from there and, and continue if you choose to do so. But it's also a good way to figure out if that's the right fit for you or, you know. Or not. not. Right. 
Right. One day at a time. Thank you for those inspiring words. And for all the work you've done to date and then what you're going to do and the focus, we'd love to have you back maybe at varying points throughout your tenure as president to see what's going on through the BBA and what you've been able to accomplish. And I'm sure there's going to be some growing pains of implementing some things as there always is. And then perhaps at the end about, you know, sort of your tenure and what happened. And hopefully we can be talking about all these great successes and and moving things forward. So congratulations to you on your ascendancy to the presidency. Where can our listeners find you? At Haley Harrison, LinkedIn. I'm at Haley G. Harrison on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. On the firm's website is access to all of my profiles on Facebook and LinkedIn and otherwise. Great. Thank you, Haley. Haley thanks Thank very you. much. Nelson Rosado, our Nelson. producer. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Nelson. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.